Hey, John. How's it going today? I am superb, Mark. How are you doing today? All right. That was a great intro. Dude, that was, wasn't it? Some really great person found that. Not created it. I didn't make it, but found it. So uh, that came from uh, Epidemic Sound. I ran across those guys from uh, uh, watching some of my favorite uh, YouTube channels and uh, a lot of cross-pollination uh, there with them working with creators and stuff. Looks like cool stuff. Yeah. So it was a great way to start off episode one of the Same Shade of Difference podcast. So our last episode was uh, a trial. We called it zero. It was good enough. We're going to publish it. But uh, this is the first official episode of uh, Same Shade of Difference podcast. Yeah, we're, we're actually at one now because uh, it, that, that warms my heart, too, because as a person who writes a lot of code, you start counting at zero in programming. So absolutely, we, we needed to start at episode zero. And yeah, it was also it was a good find. Um, there is there's insane amounts of stuff on Epidemic Sound. I mean, just... I, I spent way more time than I want to admit earlier today just going through technology sounds alone, and I didn't even begin to scratch the surface. So Absolutely. I, I got bleary-eyed the other night. I think I told you this, is, is that uh, I kept clicking on stuff. And uh, as a security professional, you know, the, it's don't click shit. And, and I was just like, click, 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 <laughs> and all sorts of cool stuff, some, some not-so-cool stuff. And uh, so we, we drink every episode, and, and we'll talk about what we're drinking here in a second. But uh, we both thought, hey, we should have, as what we're drinking, we should have a, a lead-in uh, beer sound. So we're still working on that. We are. So we, are. Uh, we, we could maybe, like, just go to one of our favorite breweries and record them uh, pouring us a beer. We, we could do that. We could. We were actually just talking earlier about how our podcast setup does support some batteries, so we could go on location even and record there if we wanted to. Which I'm wondering how goofy we'd look with these uh, big microphones and arms and and uh, headphones uh, sitting at the bar. Uh, we'd probably look pretty goofy. Um, I have done a video on location from a brewery. Um, it was a pretty big brewery that was pretty not busy at the time, and we had like... We just kind of posted up in the back and didn't really ask anyone to record the video because we did a video while we were there. And um, I'm sure we had to look ridiculous, but amazingly, just literally no one gave a shit in the background. <laughs> so we sat there and did a blind beer tasting. It was pretty It was pretty enjoyable. And that must be the case because uh, one of the podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis, the Gnarly Gnome records the Cincy Brewcast and it's kind of a cast of characters, so uh, he usually has several people. I've heard as many as five or six people on the podcast, and they set up frequently in a brewery somewhere mm-hmm. and just go at it. So uh, I guess people just look at that and and walk on past. You know, it is it is funny, uh, depending on the brewery you select. I know there's a couple, um, like the Country Boy Brewery in Georgetown, they actually have, uh, they've got like a little stage set up on the inside because usually like Friday nights, Saturday nights, they'll have live music there. And for the rest of the week, they don't take the stage down. It just sits there empty. Uh, So for my other podcast, my co-host and I have joked about like we should go and just sit up on the stage and record like people who do like live podcast recordings. Just pretend like we're supposed to be there and like would they stop us? 
That's a great it's idea. It's only one way to find out, right? If you just act like you're supposed to, especially one like that where I'm, I know a lot of the people who work there, I think There's, they would just let us do it. In fairness, I think because you're such a regular, uh, they'd be like, that's your new place. Instead, uh, of, a, instead of that one bar seat. <laughs> That would be your place. I, I did. Uh, I did. I think like appall one of the beer tenders there uh, over the uh, the previous holiday where I was in Georgetown for a few days. So I spent some quality time there since I've now moved. Uh, have I told you about how long my commute is? By the way, uh, you have several times, and and each time you've told me, I believe I have flipped you off. Uh, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Well, so my commute's uh, seven minutes now um, that I've moved. But before then, when I lived in Georgetown, uh, I was at Country Boy all the time. And so I spent like three days there basically um, over the long weekend. And uh, one of the people working was like, I haven't seen you in a little while. And I was like, yeah, I moved. And they were like, oh, shit. And I'm like, yeah, that's the, the profit margins are going to fall a little bit probably over at that one with country boil, you know, they, they may have to change marketing strategies <laughs> now that you've moved. Yeah. But on the, the plus side, and this is such a great segue, uh, Braxton's margins are going on up because I've been wearing out the Braxton barrel house as of late. So tell us what we're drinking today, but tell us the cool, also the cool beer you had the other day at the barrel house. Yeah. So, uh, the beer we're drinking today is cosmic perspective from the Braxton labs. So that's, uh, sort of their line of beers that are experimentals. Um, they usually will can them, but they don't see like large distribution or anything like that. Uh, they actually do have a Braxton labs location, which I've not been to. I know you have, um, but you can usually get the labs beers at any of their um, either the labs location, the main Braxton brewery, or their brand new Braxton Barrel House brewery. Um, the Braxton Barrel House, I've been spending a lot of good time at because it's basically the same distance away from my apartment as regular Braxton, which is a wonderful problem to have. Uh, but it's a bit more like chill and low key. Uh, it's not quite as busy normally. And uh, they specialize in a variety of beer that is near and dear to my heart, which is the barrel aged beer. Uh, so you get a lot of like, um, you know, like eight or 10 ounce pour beers there because they're barrel aged and they're like 14% and like you don't want any more than that. It's going to knock you on your ass. So I was there a couple days ago and I had uh, a Christmas specialty for them. Uh, and it was called uh, Claws, uh, not Claws with a W like your your dog has, but Claws like C-L-A-U-S, like Santa Claus. Um, and the beer is a, well, it comes in two varieties. The main one is a peppermint Christmas stout. So just, and that sounds amazing. Just let that one mull around in your mind. And then the other one they had is a vanilla peppermint Christmas stout. And I, for one, was extremely skeptical when I walked in and the guy was like, you know, what?" because I tried to order a dark charge and they are all out of dark charge, probably in preparation for the, the event that's coming up for dark charge. Uh, and he was like, well, we got claws now. And I looked at it and I was like, I don't know about that. Like peppermint and stout. I'm like, in my mind, I'm imagining like I just brushed my teeth with a fresh tube of Colgate and like slammed a guinness or something you know it, it sounded gross to me uh i tried it though and let me tell you what it was good 
um, when it was like fresh pour, you honestly couldn't even really taste peppermint like while it was cold. Uh, naturally, because it was a pretty high percent. Uh, and because I was working on stuff for uh, this podcast <laughs> on my laptop, I had quite a bit of time to burn there. So uh, I drank that one slowly. And as the beer warmed up, uh, you started to get just sort of like, it was very uh, vanilla on the front because I did do the vanilla one. Uh, and then on the finish, you just kind of got like a hint of peppermint that was like really kind of like refreshing almost on the back of that. Um, some stouts, you kind of get just like that really bitter aftertaste. Uh, this did not have that problem at all. It was it was on point. I, I'm interested in both of them. Uh, the the I tend to like the vanilla ones a, a great deal, but uh, uh, a, a mint one uh, would seem to be really cool. Peppermint would seem to be real cool. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm the same as you. Uh, I do have an affinity for like vanilla type stouts and. Uh, I couldn't pass it up, and I'm glad that I didn't, even though it sounded really, really weird off the get-go. I think I mentioned last uh, week that uh, that I had the uh, cold brown from uh, West Six. You did. And, and it is a brown ale, tasty brown ale with a hint of vanilla as well. Speaking of that, uh, we spent some good time at West Six this past weekend, and they they had some heavy hitters uh, out at the West Six Farm. I was very surprised and pleased. You know, I was too. And in in fact, um, I tend not to drink as many of the barrel aged things as you do. I like the higher gravity beers, but generally the the barrel aged give me a, a little uh, heartburn. Mm-hmm. Um, I did make sure before we were at the West Six Farm, I took my Nexium, and uh, I drank, I didn't drink a single beer that you could see through, yep. and the uh, barrel-aged Christmas ale and the snake cake um, were the two that I kept going back to, so much so that while you were drinking at Braxton on Sunday after the West Six Farm, I went to West Six, the main brewery, and had another snake cake or two um, <laughs> while I was in town. So, uh, so absolutely. So maybe, uh, maybe the tide is turning for me. Still need to meet you out at the Barrel House. I know we keep choosing other places when we drink, but uh, I need to. I need to go out there and and try some of theirs for sure. Yeah. Um, the they've got a lot of good stuff, but I'm telling you what, that snake cake is hard. To top that is an exceptional beer. I was a big fan of the barrel aged Christmas uh, beer that they had at, at Wessex, but Snake Cake is just oh, it's so good. If you ever get the chance to have it, you've not. It it is a treat. It was actually the beer uh, the one time my sister uh, came to Kentucky. She and her husband came, and uh, they planned the trip like months in advance, and. Uh, she found out maybe like a month and a half beforehand that she was pregnant. So, you know, she didn't drink when she came to visit, which was unfortunate. Um, But we took a trip to West Six and they had snake cake. And so I got one and, you know, they serve it in that like really fancy, like tall glass at West Six. It looked really nice. And, you know, it's it's this like deep brown color. Beautiful. And, uh, my brother-in-law who does not really like stouts, he was like, man, that looks great. Can I try it? And I said, sure. So he took like a tiny little sip 
And he looks at my sister and he's like, if you're going to just take the tiniest drink of any beer this entire trip, he's like, it has to be this one. Cause like, this is straight up your alley. My sister loves stouts. So she took just like the tiniest little sip and she was like, I am, I'm actually mad that I tried it because I'd be better off not knowing how good it is. Now I just want one and I can't have it. So, I mean, it's, it's good. I can see that for sure. That to, uh, to segue back. So it sounds like our two current favorite breweries are West six and, uh, Braxton. Um, Braxton has an event that we're going to miss. Mm-hmm. But they're a dark charge release party that'll be on Saturday. We have a company uh, um, Christmas party where you're wearing what kind of ugly sweater? Well, hopefully nobody uh, who's going to be attending the party listens to this beforehand, which is going to be impossible. It's, it's not going to get posted. It's anywhere. not going to get posted. Uh, so I decided that it wasn't good enough for me to just get an ugly sweater. Uh, I wanted an ugly sweater for garbage beer. Uh, I found the perfect sweater online. Um, it was a Natty Light sweater, uh, all decked out in like Christmas colors. I mean, the thing looks god awful. Like you, you look at it and you got to go wash your eyes out. It's terrible. Sadly, they did not have any of my my size uh, for that sweater that I could find. So I went with Plan B, which was this heinous bright blue uh, Bud Light sweater. Uh, which I received in the mail several days ago, and it is every bit as god-awful in person as it was in the pictures online. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to breaking that out. Um, it, 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 looks, it looks terrible. And I'm looking forward to uh, grabbing a picture of that for our social media to... Oh, 100%, uh, yeah. Hopefully not turn off potential listeners. The context is going to have to be fully disclosed for that picture because otherwise people are going to look at it and be like, I, I would never listen to anything this idiot has to say. So, We should probably close out the beer section, but uh, just thinking, uh, I did this last year. Um, maybe it could become a, a new tradition. So uh, we'll miss Dark Charge Day. But last year, I showed up on Sunday when they opened around 11 uh, and uh, they still had plenty of bottles of most of the varieties, and they had everything on tap. Maybe we should think about uh, having our Dark Charge Day on uh, Sunday yeah. and see uh, how maybe have breakfast at the bar with some uh, various Dark Charge beers. I'm, I'm super into this idea, and I'm glad you mentioned that because you had told me before, and I completely forgot about that. So, yeah, we should we should plan to make that happen on Sunday. and. I wonder if there's any place nearby there where we can get some breakfast food to take in. Oh, we we can look. I'm sure we'll be able to find. Probably something. be able to find some place. Yeah, I have no doubt. Yeah, that we can that, that would be cool because yeah. obviously you can take any kind of food in there. Right. I don't believe the parlor next door, which we have an affinity for. I don't think they open for breakfast. I don't believe so either. So we'll we'll find something there. That's that's a good idea. We'll make yeah. this happen. All right, good deal. Well, some quick follow up before we get into our uh, topics. I think this is going to be a long show. Probably. Uh, Thankfully, I didn't promise uh, that I'd be home at uh, any particular hour. <laughs> um, I did offer to cook dinner, didn't hear back, so I think we're good. Okay. So some follow-ups. So uh, I mentioned It's a Thing podcast last episode, and uh, I talked about uh, how Molly Wood was one of my favorites, and and I knew that one of my other favorites, Tom Merritt, was uh, also part of that podcast. 
I completely left him out. I'm sure Tom is going to listen to every episode. He's going to be mad. Of our podcast. Don't want him pissed at us. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, so much so that I want to pimp his other podcast as well. Uh, he does a bunch of stuff, but he does the daily, the daily tech news show every day. And generally every afternoon as I leave work, I listen to DTNS on my ride home. It's about a 30-minute grab of uh, the headlines, tech headlines of the day, and usually a deep dive on one particular topic, and they have a handful of guest hosts in there. So uh, it's super cool. So, well, Molly's a favorite. Tom's a favorite, too. I do like that listening to him is literally a daily function for you, and you just completely gave him the cold shoulder. I was really feeling bad when I when after we recorded the episode zero, I was like, how did I forget? How well, did I forget, Tom? Well, and as, as we'll talk about in a little bit, too, you know I've both listened to that episode many times for reasons we'll elucidate, so I'm sure it just like ground salt in the wound every time. It, it absolutely did, yeah. I've listened to our episode uh, more than uh, than any other podcast episode that I've ever listened to in many, many years. So the other uh, thing is uh, I, I've vaguely mentioned some improvements in the cameras on the new uh, iPhone Pros, and and what I failed to mention was the uh, the actual product name. They rolled it out in, I believe, 13.2 of the code release, and it's called Deep Fusion. And so in, in reading more about it, uh, seems like it takes the uh, – when you have the HDR function turned on, uh, on your on your photos, um, it takes that to a whole new level. So lots of computational sort of stuff going on there, similar to all the things Google are doing that we talked mm-hmm. about in the last episode. Just wanted to mention that it was called Deep Fusion. So uh, I think that covers most of the uh, follow-up. Before we get into our topic, uh, we wanted to talk about... Uh, Issues with the, the episode zero, some things we weren't quite as happy with, and uh, and maybe some improvements, and then kind of the process we went through. So, so we feel like we had some dropouts at times. Yeah, not sure we fixed it. We thought uh, you found a solution, and and maybe we're still feeling some of those dropouts. Maybe dropping uh, uh, the first of some words and things like that. So we'll keep chasing that. We think. The episodes are are listenable for sure, but but we're still working on those those issues. And then you used a uh, an online app to uh, clean up some of the podcasts. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah. So uh, one of the things we had noticed, and, and I'm I'm extremely flattered every time this comes up, and I say every time because it's I've actually heard this from multiple people that. I, in particular, have like a good voice for radio. Which, you do. Yeah. I. I I just I take the gifts that I'm given and I run with them. Uh, but what we had noticed as fallout from that was that uh, in, in the initial recording, uh, the, the gain on our microphones was set equivalent. So um, we were both kind of recording in at the same volume. And while I was coming through at what seemed like a good level, uh, yours was a little bit low. Uh, and so in that back and forth conversation, it, it just was like a little bit awkward because one audio was lower than the other. Um, so what I use is actually a tool you had found uh, called Auphonic. And uh, they that tooling offers all kinds of different options. Um, the version I used is it's a web-based version. So you take your 
uh, like your wave file that you've recorded your podcast in, uh, you upload that wave file. And then I basically used Alphonic to re-encode it from a wave file to an MP3 file. And I basically just checked a couple of boxes to tell it to clean up that audio and balance the levels for us. Uh, so what it does is it uses some kind of algorithm to just basically differentiate between background stuff like uh, you know the music we played at the intro any sound effects you use and the voices of people talking and then it does its best to sort of level and balance all those out uh, it also adjusted the overall volume of the recording uh, you and i had both noticed the raw wave file we had to bump the volume up on like our laptops or whatever we were listening to it on uh, higher than we normally would for it to sound clear. Uh, and Alphonic went ahead and fixed those problems as well. The overall volume level was adjusted and then it was balanced between the two of us, which it did a really decent job with. And it also did help uh, clean up some of those drops that we, uh, we had been kind of picking up on too because it was balancing even those. Um, the, the web version is... Uh, basically, you, you can process two hours of audio per month for free through it. Uh, so, like, I think I, I, I clocked in at like 1.2 hours for our first episode. Um, that being said, given that the re-encoding and the audio balancing is really that the feature of it that we're interested in, uh, they do offer a standalone desktop application for both Windows and Mac OS. Um, that can do that for you without you having to do any sort of an upload. Because um, I definitely did do the upload of that like one gig wave file at the Braxton Barrel House while I was sitting there drinking my claws. So um, it would be nice to just be able to bust out an application, open up that one gig file, re-encode it. And of course the MP3 it spits out. I think ours uh, encoded at 128 uh, bit rate was 60 some megs. So from 1.2 gigs to 60 megs was not too bad. Uh, but so it seems like an awesome tool. Um, I think we're probably gonna go ahead and pursue uh, getting some licensing for that so we can use it in our future episodes. Yeah, I think we'll get the five license pack. Um, so, so we were both doing some things independently, trying to figure out some stuff. So I uh, took the WAV file Listen to the wave file as well. Just you know, we both did. I also then uh, encoded it into um, a one ninety two kilobit mm -hmm. file, and all of the problems that we were worried about were still there. Uh, it did knock the file size down significantly, but when you when you used the tool, the Alphonic tool, and and did that. Um, I listened to the complete episode again, and uh, it definitely uh, cleaned up things mm -hmm. and uh, and sounded much better. There may have been a couple of spots it it brought up some of the noise, but I'm not sure about that. Yeah, no, I think I think I saw the same. There were a couple of areas where I'm like, I almost feel like we're getting background hum now because of that. Uh, that being said. Uh, that could entirely be user error on my part. So the tool does feature an option uh, to eliminate background hum where it can kind of filter some of that out. I did not opt to toggle that on because in listening to the wave file, I wasn't picking up background noise. 
uh, in it. So it's entirely possible that if I went ahead and checked that, it might kind of balance some of that out too in the future. So it might be a trial and error. Like a lot of our audio errors in the first episode were user error on my part. So this one could also be user error on my part. That's all I'm going to say. And, and maybe let's toggle that on, but, but it may not be. So, so I probably didn't share this with you, but I went down lots of rabbit holes before I picked out this studio equipment and one of the things, so, so we're using the, the road, uh, pod mics and we have a, a four microphone set up for, uh, uh, bigger podcast and things like that. But one of the recurring themes on Reddit and some other forums was that when you compared this to the sure SMB seven, something or other, uh, it actually, talked about that background noise on these microphones compared to that when you brought some of the levels up. Oh. Um, but that's a $400 microphone. These were $99 microphones. So a pretty big, you know, difference. Sure. And, and we probably need to see if we're going to be able to stay out of rehab and, and, <laughs> with all the beer we drink and, and before we invest $400 each and a couple of microphones. So, but these were highly reviewed, well-reviewed microphones, but that could be part of it as well. Sure. So maybe we try that, but I'm not for sure that that cleans everything up as we're bringing the levels up. That may just be a, a byproduct. And, and that was also me being picky in my listening as well. Well, if nothing else, we'll be able to uh, probably provide a good follow up to that in the next episode, because <laughs> by that point, I'll have done the same process for this recording. So we'll see if we kind of get the same the same thing exacerbated or not. There you go. Well, on to the topic that we had thought uh, to talk about today. Uh, what are we, 25 minutes in or something? That's a guess. Uh, that's actually, it's uh, 26 minutes. Ah, so that was a heck of a good Someone guess. listens to a lot of podcasts. Uh, yeah, I have a, <laughs> I have a pod, I have a, I have a craft beer and a podcast problem and a laptop bag problem. I, I, I probably have a whole list of problems we don't want to go into today. A, a few of those are going to be way more expensive than the others though. Absolutely. And like the podcast one seems like a fairly cheap problem to have. Except that many times on these podcasts, they recommend things and they talk about <laughs> things and then you go look at them and they have good show notes, which we want to, we roll out our side, have good show notes mm -hmm. and sometimes good show notes cost you money. That's okay. Yeah, you're true. So in fact, it's true. another podcast we were looking at the other day, Mac power users, they do an outstanding job of their show notes. And that is absolutely one of the podcasts that cost me money. So along those lines, reeling our, ourselves back in. So we both like uh, cons, conferences, and uh, we've both uh, done things over the years and, and uh, been to a bunch of stuff. And I thought it'd be fun to, uh, we've had a couple of conversations over beer, but, but maybe not the, the full detailed conversation. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of go through the the Wayback Machine and maybe some of the conferences that we've gone to, to and some of them that we're looking at uh, separately and, and together. Yeah. Um, so uh, cons are a big part of uh, uh, people's lives, and uh, um, they uh, they build a sense of community. The, the cons that I know that I go to, and I know the ones that you go to, I mean, they have 
rabid followings. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm sure some of yours are the same. I mean, there's the like tickets release six plus months in advance of the con. I mean, there's like a 10 minute window to get your tickets before they're sold out. And if you get them, I mean, it's like months of just anticipation and planning and you're doing all sorts of special things to get ready for it. I mean, it's, it's a whole thing that it really encompasses way more than just like the couple of days for the convention. I mean, you spend like lots of time um, getting all hyped up and, and making that experience for the best that it can be every year that you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to jump in since I'm the old guy here. And hey, I, hey, speaking of that, so uh, to, to tangent slightly, did you notice it was weird? You and I uh, went and grabbed a couple beers after work yesterday. And this crazy thing happened that it happens occasionally with us. We're like, we sit down and we both order a beer and they only ask for my ID. What's up with that? That's crazy. <laughs> it, it's, it's starting to hurt my feelings. It absolutely. I, it's, it blows my mind. Inconsiderate of those, uh, those and, individuals. And, and while I am the old dude, you're not exactly a youngster. I'm not. I'm not. I'm I'm in my mid thirties now. And yesterday was before I trimmed off my mustache. Yeah. So I looked even older and probably slightly creepier. You did look creepier, <laughs> for sure. You did look creepier. We won't go down that uh, rabbit hole uh, 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 now, but uh, but absolutely. So anyway, yeah, you're you're you you started going to to cons way before I did. Yeah, There's yeah. So uh, in, in the early days, so there used to be one called Comdex. And Comdex was the computer convention to end all computer conventions, and and it had everything. So it had uh, the early days of actually the PCs and the monitors, and and the companies like Gateway were there, and all the other computer companies. And and there used to be uh, way more uh, PC manufacturers. Uh, or, or, or retailers uh, back in the day than there are today. The market's kind of settled out, um, and and it was just full of those sorts of things and and printers and computers and, and the early days of the networks and all those sorts of things, and very cool. It was always held in Vegas, and um, it started in uh, 1982. I did not go that long ago and ended in 2005, but, uh, but I actually probably started going in the late 80s and went all the way through the end. And so uh, it, was, it was an extra cool conference. At the same time for many years, there was the Adult Entertainment Expo. Now, that, is, uh, that has changed and, and uh, uh, morphed out into a different time than some other computer conferences that go on nowadays, but uh, the Adult Entertainment Expo was uh, went on during the uh, the Comdex and and later the Consumer Electronics Show, and so uh, interesting times. You have all these computer nerds, some that probably don't get out of the basement except to go to these sorts of things uh, or dark rooms, and uh, all around town and in the same convention hall. There are uh, porn stars wearing next to nothing, or in some cases, nothing, uh, walking the same halls. So, so the Adult Entertainment Expo was in the Sands Convention Center for many, many years. 
And so one floor of the convention center would be the porn show and the other floors would be the either Comdex or later the Consumer Electronics Show. And it was just, it was hilarious because it was like some of these people were fans and other people had never seen any like anything like this <laughs> in their life. So, uh, so lots of good times. Um, those things kind of separated. And so while the Consumer Electronics Show, which I also uh, went to for many years, I haven't been the last couple of years, but probably went about 15 years in a row uh, in Las Vegas in January usually, um, that's kind of separated. And so the Adult Entertainment Show is sometime later that month. So the porn stars and the computer geeks are not in town at the same time. I can only imagine some of the great just like super awkward moments that had to have happened at yeah. that sort of like meeting of worlds <laughs> that otherwise would never collide. So I remember one year that uh, some buddies came out with me and we were going to hit all the cool places in Vegas and they were marginally interested in the tech stuff. And I, I knew the adult entertainment show was going on, but I hadn't really remembered and thought about it. And we're stumbling through some of the tech stuff and I'm kind of really dragging them around. They've, they've seen all the TVs and computers and cameras that they really felt like seeing. And we're in the sands and the adult entertainment expo is there. This happens to be an industry day though. And so they don't let fans in till one o'clock. This is about eight 30 in the morning. We get started early and we stumble in and there's, there's already a line of hundreds of mostly men that don't look like they've been out of their basement in years, <laughs> except for this event. And, uh, so we walk past them and this, this guard stops us and, and is like, uh, no, no, you, this doesn't open to fans till one o'clock. Uh, you can't come in here. This is for industry folks only. And I'm like, I, I run a, uh, an internet web company. He's like, Oh, Oh, will you go over there and sign up? <laughs> and so the company I worked for at the time that I'll leave nameless, um, I happened to have an Amex corporate card. Now the bill came to me, nobody was going to see it, but it said corporate card on it. Mm -hmm. So it kind of looked like I had a company and I walked over and it was going to be like $75 a person. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. So I go back to my buddies and I'm like $75 or we have to wait in that line for another four hours. And we go to the back of the line and they're like, I got $75. <laughs> and so I signed myself and all the buddy, my buddies up with fictitious titles and a fictitious company. And I hand them my, my Amex uh, corporate card and they're happy to take our money three times $75 and we roll in there. And so that gives us a pass for the next two or three days. Also every day, the morning is just for the industry. And so we're going around and, and it says like, you know, I'm the CEO of a web company. And one of my buddies who, who cannot use his smartphone today, he calls it his GED phone and, and he can't hardly use it today. Um, he was my webmaster, and, and he, he probably still has that tag that says he was a webmaster, and he can barely master a, an, an iPhone smartphone today. I, I believe, because I, I think I've heard this story before, I believe this is the same individual who was at the West Six Farm with us this past weekend. It was. Um, who was getting tech support tips on using his iPhone from your mother. 
My 81-year-old mother. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, she helped him put University of Kentucky basketball games on his calendar so he would know when to turn on his TV. He was the webmaster. He was the webmaster. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. That's crazy. So uh, we had the best time and uh, and things that you wouldn't think you would see in a convention hall that went on, and it, it was uh, it was terrific. Um, probably be cool to go out uh, and, and go to the expo again sometime, but I think the treat of it, was all the computer nerds stumbling upon this and watching all their reactions. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, while it would be, um, I'll say, interesting to go to, I think the people-watching opportunities that would present is is a big draw there when those two worlds had to collide. Though. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was just imagine. crazy. Yeah. Was crazy. And then we were still in there when they opened it to the public, and, and it was really like a feeding frenzy. Yeah, oh, I bet. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We left shortly thereafter, and I think we came back one other day in the morning since we'd paid our seventy-five dollars. Make it count, today. yeah, yeah. yeah. Could make it worthwhile, but uh, but yeah, you know, it was like these people had not actually had interaction with a real live woman in in uh, any time in their life. Yeah, yeah. Fun stuff. So uh, it, it was uh, interesting for me, at least, to hear you talk about Comdex. Uh, I actually am well aware of what Comdex is. The only reason uh, is actually from the television show Halt and Catch Fire, which I don't know if you've ever watched, but they went to Comdex yes, yes. Um, to try and sell their like new personal computer they came out with. I, I vaguely remember that now. When I watched that show, because I didn't really bother to look anything up while watching the show, um, I didn't even know if that was like, a real convention or if they just made that shit up until I then later heard you tell the story. And I was like, Oh shit, that was a thing from Hall and catch fire. Yeah. And, and it was, <laughs> it was a real thing. And, uh, like at night you went back to your hotel bed and collapsed because you walked for miles and miles and miles on concrete floors and stood and talked to people. And it, it, it seemed like fun and as the day wore on and the week wore on, it seemed a little like work. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things that's super awesome. And by the time it's done, you're so glad it's over because you really just need a day to like sit on your ass. Absolutely. And do nothing, yeah. So we just got back from the uh, Mobile World Congress. We did. The Mobile World Congress we got to go to was in Los Angeles, not the one in Barcelona. I've always wanted to go to Barcelona. L.A. is a super cool city. Uh, I love L.A. I've been there a handful of times before. Uh, always really fun, but I, I do feel like if we had gotten the draw for Barcelona, that would have been better. Yeah, so maybe uh, there'll be some private LTE uh, major stuff uh, in Barcelona. That's usually, I think, February, March, somewhere, yeah. somewhere around there. Maybe maybe we'll need to go. We might need to for, go. For that. Uh, hopefully it doesn't conflict with the other thing we're thinking about is in March, isn't it? It is. No, uh, um, I don't, I, we'll, we'll need to look that up. That's, yeah. I, I did some research. Clearly I didn't do enough research. Um, so I don't know uh, when the Barcelona one is, but uh, uh, we'll have to play that one by ear. But, uh, but I've always wanted to go to that one. So, so Mobile World Congress um, in its early days was, was really about – phones, handsets, chipsets, mm -hmm. and other things. And, and it's really evolved into 
the business sector mobility solutions. We saw lots of security and enterprise solutions. Uh, everywhere you you turned, there was somebody touting five G, which mostly doesn't exist yet. Yeah, e- even though I mean, if you knew nothing about the industry and you went to Mobile World Congress Los Angeles twenty nineteen. Uh, you would be convinced that like 5G is going to solve all of the world's problems because that is exactly how it's getting marketed right now. It, it, it is. And it's funny when, when you listen to some of the, the tech talks between the lines, they're like, you know, in, in five or 10 years, this is going to be u- ubiquitous. And I'm like, but your marketing material is acting like it's going to be tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Like, what are you going to talk about next year? <laughs> Well, so we're in Kentucky, in the northern Kentucky area, recording this podcast, and uh, Cincinnati is across the river. Within, uh, uh, we could throw a rock, and uh, Cincinnati is in the next group of five G rollout for Verizon. I looked at their map a week or two ago, and then I looked at the cities that they'd rolled it out to. And they really have rolled it out to narrow areas within those cities. Yeah. So I'm thinking you got to be standing on when they roll it out to Cincinnati. There's probably three streets that you have to be on. Yeah. I noticed the same thing because they finally released those 5G coverage maps. um, And I was kind of scoping those out because that was my understanding already. It was really that when they say we've got 5G in New York City, they don't mean all of New York City. They mean there's some very specific areas of New York City where if you happen to be on that street standing outside not moving and you're holding your phone just the right way you're going to get that 5g signal it's going to be pretty sweet if you're using one of the two or three handsets that supports it at the moment two or three for sure and and then along those lines uh i saw a a news release from t-mobile i believe that that they're touting in january they are going to roll out to 5G to 600-plus cities, and they show a map that really saturates the United States with 5G coverage. And then when you read into the the fine print, it's I believe it's the 600-megahertz spectrum. I could be wrong there, but I believe it's the 600-megahertz spectrum. And once again, if you're standing in the right spot, you might get some... Pretty cool, but not really the advertised 5G speeds. And if you're in other places in the 5G coverage, it will be LTE-like. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, that's 4G. Why would why would it be good to have LTE-like speeds on 5G? So it's interesting to see how that, that'll play out. So that lighting up that extra antenna in your phone can drain the battery slightly faster to give you the same speeds you'd be getting. And that's that. what always happens. That's what happened with LTE. That's what happened with 3G is those early days, it just zapped your devices. Not, not to derail entirely, but uh, I was living in Pittsburgh when Sprint lit up the WiMAX network. If you recall WiMAX, it was their their take on 4g that utterly failed and then they went back and and deployed lte uh, and i had the htc evo 4g uh, which had a wimax antenna in it and turning it on and connecting to the wimax network got you speeds that were just barely better than 3g 
And uh, it served a double purpose of you could set your coffee cup on the phone to keep it nice and tasty hot because that thing turned like molten <laughs> just from running that radio for a yeah, little bit. Absolutely. So. Yeah, absolutely. L- LTE on AT&T did, did the same thing. I had one of, of the the Google phones and mm-hmm. and one of the first LTE phones and same sort of deal. I actually got it at the store, drove from Lexington to Frankfurt, had the phone plugged in in my car the whole time, and the battery ran down. And I thought, oh, maybe, you know, maybe it needs to be fully charged the first time. Dropped it on the charger, um, got up the next morning. It still wasn't fully charged because it was just getting zapped all oh. night from the antenna and, and, and all that. I took it back and and ordered a different phone and I was going to have to wait for that and and got a burner sort of thing for that temporary time. But it was truly awful. So so I, I think, you know, 5G will be cool when it gets here, when it's stable and those sorts of things. But uh, it's certainly not going to be based on the, the stories that we heard uh, it's not gonna. That's it's not gonna be like that for the consumer side for quite some time. Yeah, nobody. I don't think. I think if you're a consumer and you're running out to buy a new phone with 5G support, you're really wasting some money. Um, just just wait a few years and just like LTE, you know, it, it'll reach that point where it's saturated. And it's awesome, and then it actually works well. But before then, like everybody should just sit back and chill. There's no need to get all all worked up about it, despite what everyone at mobile world congress would have you believe yeah absolutely but we want to go back because oh. we want to go to barcelona or we still liked la yeah and, and to be honest you know if you cut through all the hype there, there was still some really good info there some interesting stuff that was going on um it, it was interesting to me because i was more familiar with mobile world congress from back in the day too where it was really sort of like handset device focused uh how much more the the focus really shifted to uh to infrastructure um, I thought a lot of that was pretty interesting that, you know, you did have folks like Samsung there with their huge booth where they want you to buy the latest and greatest phone that, you know, does stupid shit that 99% of people are never going to use. Uh, but that you did have a lot of the vendors too, who are sort of making, uh, you know, the antennas and that sort of thing too. Yeah, absolutely. So some of the cons that, that you've liked over the years, uh, what are some of those? Uh, so for a long time, uh, I have wanted to go to BlizzCon, which uh, if you're not familiar, BlizzCon is the convention run by Blizzard, video game company. Um, If you've never heard of Blizzard, you've probably heard of World of Warcraft, StarCraft, Diablo, Overwatch, any of those games, that's what Blizzard makes. Um, So not this year, but last year, uh, Brandy, the co-host for my other podcast and I, manage we decided we wanted to go to blizzcon um and we somehow lucked out and managed to get some tickets which was pretty awesome uh so we went ahead and went out to la for that it was you know really amazing experience um it's one of those things where you just like you can't be prepared for it until you go And it's one of those things i really wish we could go again because we didn't really understand how it worked um, so we kind of budgeted our time and what we did a little bit poorly, uh, while we were there, but it was still cool. It was, it was really just a Mecca to all things like blizzard games. Um, 
super fun experience. You kind of get that inside peek at all the things that are coming next that you're going to be looking forward to in the next year. You got to play, you know, demos of games that I played demos of games that still aren't out now. And BlizzCon 2019 has happened. Those games still haven't released yet. Um, but we got to play some really cool demos and honestly just hang out. Um, it's in Anaheim, California every year at the Anaheim Convention Center. Um, and one of my absolute favorite parts of it um, was, well, two things kind of. So there's an area in World of Warcraft. Um, it only opens up on, I want to say it's like the second, it's maybe like the second week of every month or something along those lines. It's not an area you can get to all the time. It opens up at like only a certain interval, uh, but it's called the Dark Moon Fair. And it's just kind of like a little area where you can go. And it's 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 like a big fantasy carnival, basically, that you hang out in. And um, there's some different things you can do in the game. You can't do any kind of like PvP. You can't fight other uh, players in the game there. Uh, everybody's like, quote unquote, friendly. Um, so you just kind of like hang out and chill and play like little mini carnival games, that sort of thing. Uh, there was an entire area of BlizzCon that was completely set up to look exactly like the Dark Moon Fair in the game. It's like all the architecture, everything, it matched the game like perfectly. I mean, smoke machines to keep it dark. They had like many of the same like games set up and booths and stuff. It was really cool. Uh, and then every year there is a local brewery in the area called Bottle Logic, um, and they make beer themed after blizzard's games really uh, yes yeah, so they did like a special release every year so last year um it was the 20th anniversary of the game starcraft and so the whole hook to starcraft is it's a real-time strategy game and there are three playable races each with very different play styles uh so they made a 20th anniversary starcraft beer and then they made three different beers each themed after the three races in the game uh, and you could get it at the Dark Moon Fair. And so it was really cool to be just like walking through this area that's set up like this iconic place in the game. And you're just like getting kind of shit faced on like Starcraft themed beer while you walk around and kind of like live the game, which was a really cool experience. Yeah, that is extra cool. And, and along the, the, as you led in there, I don't think anytime I go to a con the first time, I don't ever feel like I get the full and best experience. It, it's it's like you you have to find your way through and come yeah. back, and and every year, every time I've gone to a, the a, a con for the first time, it's been like, uh, oh wow, this is what I would do immediately different right. next year. I'd come in a day earlier. I'd I'd make sure I did this. I'd make sure instead of starting at this part of of what's going on i'd i'd focus on these other things and uh absolutely every single one has been like that with me i've i found to uh probably my favorite like i would do this way differently thing from that particular one was that uh, uh the anaheim convention center like literally connected to the building is the anaheim hilton uh, we did not stay at the Anaheim Hilton because it's like exorbitantly expensive during the week of the convention. Well, the week, it's like a two-day thing. Um, it's crazy expensive. Uh, but I always heard that the lobby of the Anaheim Hilton is sort of like the place to be when the convention's done for the day. It wraps up. It's 8 o'clock. Uh, I've heard that, that was like the place to go. So Brandy and I 
leave the Anaheim Convention Center on day number one, and we're walking down the street towards our hotel, which takes us past the Anaheim Hilton. And I mean, from out in the street, on the other side of the street, like you can both hear and feel the bass from the music. And we're like, what in the hell is that? And I'm like, I think it's coming from the Hilton. And so we like wander over there. And as you get closer to the doors, like it's louder and louder and louder. And we walk inside and it was probably like the coolest experience possible outside of the convention. Um, The entire lobby of the Hilton is just taken over by like these nerds. Uh, there's like a legit DJ booth set up in the lobby and there's this guy like playing music. There are shit-faced people dressed up like elves and shit, like getting freaky on the dance floor. Everybody is completely drunk. And the best part is that the Hilton like 100% embraced that. And so they set up pop-up bars all over the lobby. Like you couldn't walk down a hall without some dude selling you beer from the Hilton. Um, they were like, we're going to make so much money off of these geeks. It's unbelievable. Uh, but it was awesome. We, we probably sat there for like two hours, had a bunch of beer and just like kind of took it all in. It was, it was a really cool experience. Yeah. That that's terrific to have that experience with a, with a hotel. One of the cons that, that I've gone to for years, uh, this year was its last year, but Derby con down in Louisville, um, Lots of people show up for DerbyCon. The, the tickets so out, sell out immediately, but they show up and come to LobbyCon. And, <laughs> and, and so the same sort of thing. And, and what's cool is when a venue like that just embraces people. The Hyatt in downtown Louisville, um, so it turns out that DerbyCon is a bigger event for them alcohol-wise than the Kentucky Derby. And And... <laughs> And so DerbyCon started, uh, uh, when did it start? It started in uh, 2011, and uh, this was the last year. The Hyatt, every year, I think after the first year, on social media, started encouraging and later taunting <laughs> the, the attendees about how much they had drank or how much they had not drank and challenged them to this or for that. And, and all of this was based on the lobby activity. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's very cool when a venue takes and embraces that and says, this, this is not the norm, but, but this is how we, we develop loyalty and customers for life because we're cool and we cater to, their differences. Oh yeah. And, uh, I mean, just the fact that then you establish yourself as the place to be during that event means then that when you charge exorbitant rates for the duration of that con, you're going to sell out of rooms guaranteed. Like people are going to pay the money so that they can do lobby con and then just take the elevator up to pass out in their room and not have to walk down the street. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, I think that's rare. I mean, I, I've only seen that in a handful of sort of cons where where a venue really embraces it. Uh, BlizzCon and and DerbyCon are, are the the really the big two that that come to mind. Yeah. Even like uh, I've I've gone to DefCon in in Vegas for many many years, and 
their venues never ever embraced the attendees like like BlizzCon or or like DerbyCon. So uh, I think that's special and unique, and uh, I'd love to find more more places like more cons like that absolutely to, to, to hang out yeah yeah it's, it's one of those things where if i lived anywhere near anaheim which obviously um you had said earlier we're like just south of cincinnati right now i am nowhere close to anaheim uh if i was though even if i didn't have tickets to blizzcon i would be showing up at the anaheim Hill every year just to hang out absolutely sure. yeah yeah so um so what's on your radar for uh for doing things uh this coming year uh, yeah, so this coming year, we're looking at a few different conventions. Uh, I want to say the front runner right now is coming up uh, in early March in Orlando. That is the Pod Fest Expo. Um, as the name might clue you in on, it is a podcast con. So all sorts of podcast-related sessions, speakers, all kinds of stuff. Um, really seems kind of interesting. It's one of those things where... You know, this you've done a podcast before. I currently do another podcast, and now this one. Uh, but at least in my case, I want to speak for you. You know, I'm really just kind of winging it. You know, I have some ideas of how to record some shit and make a website, and that's really about it. So I, I really feel like the more serious I get into it, the more that sort of material is going to be. You know, pretty beneficial to have some more maybe formalized idea. Of what the hell I'm doing? Couldn't agree more. <laughs> I, I, the Google is what uh, is what helps me out. So, oh, a million percent, yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, so as we were talking earlier today, the setup that you and Brandy use is different than the setup I used when I did my podcast, and this setup is completely different than either of us um, have used, and um, and the tools. Mm -hmm. So uh, you all are using GarageBand. I used a couple of other things and GarageBand and, and this or that. Um, we're trying the, the, the tools here. We're using Epidemic Sound and, and see how that works out. And so uh, I think there's a lot of people that, uh, that uh, will have content there that, that we can both learn from. In, in whatever direction, I have a couple of other podcast ideas myself, and uh, so I'm I'm definitely uh, looking forward to that. I also think so. So I was um, an early adopter of podcasts, and I think I mentioned that in episode zero. But um, it seems like it's finally started to hit mainstream. There have been mergers and acquisitions related to podcast creation, podcast companies. Um, the advertisers are are now really trying to belly up to the table. There's there's been advertising in podcasts forever, but there haven't been metrics or any of those sorts of things. And so people are trying to figure out those impressions and mm -hmm. other things. And so uh, so I, I think maybe we're um, we're we're at the the beginning of a large uptick in podcast, and it seems like there's a podcast on every subject known to man. Our podcast is about whatever we want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, and um, I I completely agree. I mean, I've I've been a huge Spotify user for years and years now, and you know, with what you were alluding to, Spotify has been spending insane amounts of money, uh, really amping up their podcast game, acquiring podcast networks. 
anytime I open the app now, it's making podcast recommendations. And one of the things uh, I found to be particularly useful in in creating podcasts too is they've got sort of like a podcast creator portal as well that you can go to and start to get some of those metrics and analytics about how your episode's doing, um, everything from the breakdown of like the age groups who are listening to it, the portions of each episode that are getting traction, does it fall off anywhere, that kind of thing. Um, so that is, that's a pretty serious investment that they're making. So um, I, I agree that we're kind of like on the cusp of podcasts really taking off. I mean, they've been growing for a long time now, but um, it's it's almost at the point now where that you didn't see several years ago, where almost anybody that you have a conversation with, like they listen to podcasts. It's almost rare that you find someone who's like, nah, I don't really listen to any podcasts. And I feel like if I had the conversation with people a couple years ago and said, oh yeah, I'm doing a podcast, the average person would be like, I have no, like, what are you talking, a pod what? And now people are like, oh, that's sick. You do a podcast? Like, what's it called? What's it about? Like, people know all about this stuff. So I, yeah. I completely agree. And I, I, I uh, that's been my experience as well, that uh, um, even a year ago, I think that uh, a number of people, they, they're like, I don't waste my time with stuff like that. I don't know what that is. Um, I don't know how to do that, even though, it's as easy as listening to music and everybody knows how to do that. And so um, it, it seems like there are enough mainstream people now. So uh, all the cool people who uh, are uh, rich and, and famous are now getting into podcast. And, and that probably is what is, is creating the groundswell is, is that all these famous people get uh on their microphones and, and talk it was interesting when we were at mobile world Congress. <laughs> I'm glad you're bringing this up. Cause I was going to go there. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, so what appeared to be a couple of random dudes, uh, had Uber successful, uh, podcast. And it turned out they had Uber successful podcast because they both had somehow befriended different sports stars and, uh, and they talked about how great podcasts were, and and we're like, man, if we could only find a sports star to join our podcast. Yeah, their their whole session was supposed to be about like how to make a successful podcast, and yeah, the guy who I've I'd never heard of any of the people who were who were up there. They were just like, in my opinion, regular dudes. And uh, the first one leads off, and he's like, yeah, so I'm start a podcast. So I asked my my good friend, you know, like retired NBA player. I don't remember the dude's name. I don't know anybody from the NBA. And he said, yeah, he would do a podcast. And I'm like, you could have the world's shittiest podcast and you'll automatically get thousands of listeners because this dude played in the NBA. Like, you're not going to give useful advice to anybody beyond telling them that they need to go find a sports superstar to be in their podcast with. Yeah. The the session was really disappointing. It was like, uh, you know, go get some microphones and do this when, when people ask questions and it, there, there wasn't really a lot of content other than what I took away from it is find a famous person and you can have a successful podcast. The, the one guy, uh, in particular, the moment where I was like, I am so done with this session was, uh, the one guy was talking about like, yeah, you know, people listen to podcasts. Like you think about it in, in Spotify or Apple podcasts, but he's like, there's all kinds of random stuff out there that like 
have podcasts you can listen to. There's places called like Libsyn and like Podbean and stuff. Like they have podcasts. And I'm like, this immediately tells me, because like you don't host a podcast on Spotify. That's not how it works. You got to get a podcast host. Spotify takes an RSS feed and pulls it from your host. And places like Libsyn and Podbean and things like that, those are the hosts. So I'm like, this dude doesn't even know how his podcast is hosted. And he's up here as an authority on yeah. Yeah, it was Podcasting. it was really it was really comical. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so, but it it certainly has gained a great deal of of popularity, and and so hopefully will be rich and famous. Will be the rich and famous people that are on this podcast. I certainly, not so. that we have to go find some sports ball player. Or we'll something. actually be the people that uh, other people are coming to us saying, Hey, will you be on my podcast? Cause I want my podcast to be successful. There you go. And we need a rich, famous person to be on there. And I'll be like, Ooh, I'm, I don't have time. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I agree a hundred percent. Any, uh, any other uh, uh, conferences on your radar this year? Um, there's a couple that we looked at potentially going to. Uh, I know there was the uh, was it the vlog university one out mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Um, not a big vlogger. Uh, there did seem to be a couple sessions, uh, sort of just on like managing your brand, kind of that uh, would be potentially useful. Um, I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you where my main draw for going to that is that it's run by I Justine who, you know, is something of a like hero because she is also from Pittsburgh, much like myself. So uh, you see somebody doing that sort of thing. You're like, Oh, that's pretty, that's pretty sick. And, and really she's one of the early success stories. Oh, 100%. In, yeah. And YouTube and blogging and, and, vlogging and all those things. I mean, I, uh, she was doing that a long time ago. I actually first became familiar with her uh, from Twitter. So I recall back in, uh, I'm, I'm going to make up the date and I'll correct it in the next episode. So I want to say it was 2007. Uh, that was the South by Southwest where they really, they presented on Twitter and like it blew up immediately. Uh, and this was Twitter back before any of the features that people think of making it Twitter like existed, right? So uh, the two ways to interface with Twitter were a really, really shitty web page uh, and SMS. Those were the only two. And at mentions, as we know them, didn't exist, right? It was just you wanted to direct a message to another user. So you literally typed at, and then you typed their username. There was no autocomplete. There was no linking. There was no notification. It was just something users started to do to say, I'm directing this tweet at another person. Uh, same with hashtags. They kind of were an organic thing where everybody was like, I want to talk about the same thing. And if we use this hash symbol and then a certain phrase you can search it that way in twitter um so all those things were kind of dynamic and created by the community using it long story short that south by southwest was where it like actually took off and people started joining twitter and i remember when i hopped on there um and and it wasn't even like you really followed people you just saw like the timeline of like here are the people on twitter because there were so few people on twitter absolutely uh, but i justine was one of the ones on there and I looked at like her bio and I was like, oh my God, she's in Pittsburgh. I'm in Pittsburgh. She's cool. So um, you're I've, cool. I've, I've had an, an affinity for her ever since. And real time follow up that was 2007. Ah, oh, I crushed it. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Uh, what would we do without Google? I, I, I am, for the record, I'm crushing on information today. I got South by Southwest correct, and I gave you accurate information about our company insurance earlier today. So ah. I'm, I'm, I'm peaked. You're winning. <laughs> yeah, so uh, South by Southwest has been on my uh, uh, radar for uh, ever and ever. It, it, I hate really, really big things, but South by is still one of the things that I definitely want to do. Um, I think if if we do the the uh, Podfest thing, South by is probably a little difficult this year. Um, I, once upon a time, there was a service called Lanyard. It has uh, it was missing some vowels uh, the way like the all way, the cool all like the cool. hip web two point companies yeah. were back in the mid two thousands. Yeah, um, it. Uh, it had uh, has experienced a hiatus. I haven't checked it in a few months, but last time I looked, uh, it was not being updated anymore. But it linked up with your Twitter account and pulled stuff and showed conferences across the world and then who was going to those conferences across the world. And so I used to, to use that to kind of gauge which things I wanted to go to. And I went to a few things because of that and uh, and – so South by was one of those, and and as a result of that, I found out about one in Portland, the XOXO Festival, and uh, and it, it kind of their tagline is celebrating independently produced art and technology. It was a it it appears to have to be a much smaller South by with a, a, a more narrow focus. Uh, I think they skipped a year, maybe 2017, 2018, something like that. Um, there was one this year. And um, so I kind of have that on my radar, like BlizzCon, like DerbyCon. Sells out almost immediately mm-hmm. uh, within minutes. Uh, um, and so um, I've got that on my radar to, to see. Uh, Portland is a really cool place. And... Uh, um, like I said, it's a little more intimate than South by. And so, uh, um, maybe put that on the radar this year, but hard to say. Um, I know we looked at some other things. We, there's even, we don't have it in our show notes, but there is even a, uh, a beer writing, vlogging, blogging, uh, social media, uh, festival coming up. I believe, it's in Austin, Texas. Oh, fantastic. So I think that's in like August, September, October of uh, 2020. So uh, I know you don't like beer and I don't like beer. Oh, no, wait, that's Brandy that doesn't like beer. So uh, um, we will uh, we will take and uh, maybe see about that. Do, 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 do. It's that Brandy. That, that was Brandy. Yeah. I think that's the sound that she makes every time someone alludes to the fact that she doesn't like beer. She's the one that said she didn't like beer. It's not did. like we made it up. This is true. It's, uh, we, it's on audio. We, we can link to the first episode of the Unusually Pink podcast where, for whatever reason, this, this was like eight months ago now, and she's regretted it horribly ever since, but she made the statement on the podcast that she doesn't really like beer. What she meant was that she's kind of picky about beer, but... She sure drinks a lot of beer to be picky. does drink a lot of beer, yeah. So um, we've got this cool Road uh, Podcaster Pro, mm-hmm. Roadcaster Pro, yes, soundboard. You know what we could do is we could take that segment out of your episode one, stick it in here, put it on one of our buttons, 
And just periodically troll Brandy. That's a terrific idea. I will 100% do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we have to do that. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get that snippet of audio and um, she's, uh, she's going to have a bad time. Because that snippet of audio will have been taken and cropped and put on our soundboard before this episode ever goes live. So she's not going to know about it until it's too late, which is yes, even better. Yes, yes. Nothing better than to troll. We do it to the ones we love. Absolutely. <laughs> um, we haven't talked about Garrett this episode, so um, so maybe next episode we'll talk yeah, about well, Garrett. Well, we'll just say that as we plan any of these trips, um, you know, as, as we planned to go to Podfest Expo, you know, we're talking about that's in Orlando. We might head down to the Keys for some extra time. It's so close. Out. Why wouldn't you? Um, and for that particular trip, you know, we invited Brandy along. She's a good friend of ours. Thought she might have a good time to hang out in the Keys with us. Uh, at no point in those discussions was Garrett ever a consideration because we knew he would not be allowed to go have fun with us. So. But we should invite him just so we control him <laughs> later. It's that thing where you ask somebody to go do something knowing that they're not going to be able to do it and you're just really rubbing it in. It's very clear that his CFO will not allow him to do that. Yeah, his uh, his his CFO is not going to approve that particular budget request when it comes in. Well, all right. Well, we'll keep that in mind. Well, we have uh, probably uh, covered uh, as many of the things that, uh, that make sense. Um, where can people find you, John, on the internet? Yeah, uh, so my main website on the interwebs is unusually.pink. Uh, that houses a blog. Uh, it also has an about page for Brandy and myself on the Unusually Pink podcast. Uh, and then the unusually.pink forward slash podcast page has all of our show notes. So I do a, a bang up write up on every single episode, usually a bunch of pictures. Actually, there's some pictures of the Dark Moon Fair uh, from BlizzCon up there. I'll probably snag those for our show notes too. Um, so. So did I just hear you're going to volunteer to do some show notes? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I enjoy doing the write-ups. So yeah, basically all the content, uh, kind of the way my other podcast works is that Mark was correct. We, we record just on a MacBook with uh, GarageBand and there's a decent bit of edit work involved. Um, at least for those episodes, we're looking to move our podcast setup to right here to avoid a lot of those problems. But uh, Brandy does all the like audio engineering work to edit the episodes and I author all the content for the website. So all right, I don't mind deal. to do that at all. Um, and then I do a lot of my quality posting on the internet, usually to Twitter. Um, I do most of it on the uh, at unusually pink handle on Twitter. Uh, I just recently revived the uh, at pink pod John handle as well to post some of my more contentious opinions or just flaming companies that I don't want to spoil with our podcast uh, that I'd, I'd rather do from me as a person. So uh, yep. how about you? How's, how's your prolific side hustle going? Um, you know, I'm, I'm hovering a little over 2,100 followers on Instagram. I am craft brew geek. Um, got some clothing. We happen to wear a craft brew geek clothing uh, our uh, sweatshirts the other day that thankfully we were not wearing the same color. Yeah. We were wearing the exact same quarter zip with the exact same craft brew geek logo in the exact same place. Uh, they were just, I think yours was black. I think I was wearing mine black was a dark gray. Yeah. And, and then we, we rolled in to have a beer after work and we looked like we were in company attire. Yeah, I told Mark that uh, he was like, I can't believe we're going to walk in here wearing these matching shirts. And I was like, 
it's 4.30 on a, a Tuesday. Like everyone's going to assume we work for Craft Brew Geek LLC. And uh, the bartender did notice that uh, that uh, the, the sweatshirt said Craft Brew <laughs> he Geek. Did. Yeah. He did. Well, you were in a deep contemplation about what beer to get. And you said you were really into craft beer. He was like, it's like you're a craft brew geek. <laughs> like, oh boy. <laughs> Branding works. See? See? It does. It so, definitely uh, does. So uh, hopefully uh, when we get some uh, uh, graphic uh, artwork from uh, Josh, we can uh, we can roll out some of our swag and and stickers and clothing and stuff like that so uh, we can be the uh, Same Shade of Difference podcast out in public. Absolutely. We'll be the... The new hotness, and it'll give us a great excuse to revisit all of the breweries we've gone to and put up stickers to add yet another sticker to the collection. You know, we should probably keep a list of the breweries that <laughs> uh, that have sticker walls so that we can prioritize those. Yeah, and I, I do have a list of a, a short list of a couple that uh, I've been to that had sticker walls where I did not have a sticker to put up because unlike you, I am very, very poorly prepared. So I have stickers in my laptop bag right now in case a brewery wall steps in front of me. So well, you're more prepared than me, but that's okay because that's going to serve me well once we get our new same shade of difference branding. Absolutely. And and I've even ordered new stickers lately (laughs) as well. For, for all of you that want to know where we get our fabulous stickers, we get them from sticker mule Mm -hmm. And uh, really great quality, good service, and uh, they have specials all the time. I just ordered uh, 50 round, uh, three-inch round stickers to put on my Christmas beer cheese that I give out as gifts. So this will be the first year that my beer cheese is actually branded. Been making it for 25 years or so, and uh, it'll be actually the first year where anybody knows where it came from. Turning over a new leaf. I like it. Turning over a new leaf. So, uh, hey. Let's go have a beer. Yeah, let's do that. Do, 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 do.